Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. It's Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Maddie F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast, where the Seattle Seahawks have won their must-win game. They have moved to 7-on-7, seven seven, 500 on the season, and with an amazing Monday Night Football 20-17 to victory over the Philadelphia Eagles, where Drew Locke masterfully operated the offense down the field on a 92-yard touchdown drive. And good to see our friend Bryce in the chat. He was messaging me uh, during the, the moment where it's going wrong, and then Bryce made it happen, manifested it with a mention of Matt Patricia. Absolutely unbelievable. Vince saying, will Matty share his Twitter on the screen again? Probably not. Well, maybe not, Vince. I mean, maybe maybe that uh, peachy thing was was the, the thing which made it happen. But, okay. Ty, more importantly than that, more importantly than the fact I'm wearing a bucket hat, Pete mm. Carroll, in his coaching career, has moved to 4-0 when wearing a baseball cap and Ty. He had it backwards in the press conference, and no one asked him about it, Ty. What happened to journalism? Yeah, I'm I'm disappointed in John Boyle, who's been a big supporter of the Pete Carroll Fit Tracker, for not asking about that. So, John, do better. But yeah, man, this is this is why I created the Fit Tracker, guys. Was the baseball hat? Was the whole uh, mystery behind why is Pete wearing a baseball hat all of a sudden? When was the last time he wore that? Has he ever worn that? And then you know, I went back into the annals of. Pete Carroll lore in Seattle and found that one game against the Cardinals all the way back in 2010. And that's what started that whole thing. And now here we are three more baseball hat Pete games. And he's four and oh, baby. You can't yeah. beat baseball hat Pete dog. It's just, it's not going to happen at this point. Yeah. I mean, he's got to wear the hat every, every game. Dude, yeah. Right. Like they, he has, he has to win it next week in Tennessee. And then if they go, if he goes five and zero, oh, like he's got to wear it against the Steelers too. Like, yeah. the hat, the hat does not come off, folks. The hat should not come off. This is science at this point. This that's is right. This is we need we need more data, sure. Mm-hmm. But you're that's because you're conducting science. Let's go. The these are the real stats. These are the real next gen yeah. stats. I mean, two of Seattle's seven victories this season have come with Pete Carroll in a baseball cap. So, Just saying. I mean, it's not—it's not old data. This is up to date. This is very current with current trends. You know, that's right. That's right. Yeah, you, you go back to what was it, Week 18 last year against the Rams, W, and then when did he wear the hat this year? Was it against Carolina? Was it Commanders. the Carolina game? What did you? What did? Why did you ban Timothy? What did he say? Uh, Timothy. Timothy, why you've been putting time out, Timothy, is first of all, you tried to say something, put a terrible typo in, like embarrassingly bad, Timothy. Mm. And then, Timmy, what what you did the next time was a very negative thing, saying the Seahawks are one of three and must win games. Sorry, Timothy, but in this country, the overload empire, that's not allowed. And you're banned. Well, you're in time out where you can think about your actions. It's also just about going 1-0 every week. And this week, we went 1-0. So, yeah, we 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 did uh, it. Yeah, we we did it. We did it personally. Maddie, that's awfully toxically positive of you. It's a lot of toxic positivity. I'm just being realistic. Like learn mm-hmm. learn to learn to type as I uh, learn to talk. Bryce, be- that's right. Bryce, don't Timothy. don't worry. I have the power to do it to Twitter users too. Cool that we're getting Twitter comments now. Okay, brilliant. X, well done, Bryce. X, oh, I can't put Bryce in timeout. Twitter actually is all powerful, it seems. Oh. Why would you say that? Now you're giving people a loophole. Hey, oh. all yeah, yeah, engagement is good that. engagement. Yeah, can yeah. we can we talk about Griff, Drew Locke marching down the field on a 10-play 92-yard drive 
which left the Philadelphia Eagles with just 28 seconds on the clock. Unreal strike to DK Metcalf uh, for six yards, but it felt huge given it came on second and five and they didn't have much time and he kind of snatched it off the ground. Then an even crazier strike to DK Metcalf against one double where the, the post safety starts kind of bracketing him. It's low, it's kind of crazy, but DK comes down with it 34 yards. And then the game ender on another third and 10, the, the Metcalf strike was third and 10, to Jackson Smith in Jigba for 29 yards, touchdown. And again, a great grab from JSN against man coverage. Griffin, how impressive was that from Drew Locke and, and yeah. DK? What, what a, yeah, what a monster drive from DK taking over the taking over the field really on that. Um, like you said, there were man indicators and Drew just went to his favorite targets um, really in um, in man coverage and just found found the mismatches and they just worked it. They just executed uh, pitch and catch. Um, that, was, that was great that uh, that throw to DK over the shoulder was awesome um, down the down the sideline. DK did a great job of holding off the trail corner um, to maintain the vertical separation that he had won. That's something he's really good at, and that can make throws look more accurate than they are. Not that the, the ball had to be placed where it was because of the safety, right? It was kind of low, though. It, it was a little, but DK did great like working with the ball that Drew gave him because Drew was ensuring the safety couldn't make a play on it. So that's just like a really good go ball team, basically. Like you, we know they coached the crap out of that. So that was great from DK, great from the great from Drew Locke. The, the game-winning throw to Jackson on the fade was awesome. It's great that he can be out as a max split perimeter receiver in a pinch and can win that. Um, you know, it's it's another guy that you're adding to the chorus of, you know, red line winners on the, on the team because, um, you know, he's supposed to be a slot, right? So, I mean, just a clutch drive in. And, you know, as uh, subjective stuff goes, Drew looked like he belonged out there on the field, you know, the, the poise and all that, all that kind of – hard to pin down language uh it, it, he looked the part there which was you know got to be great for his confidence you know what, what was that word i said uh when we were talking about drew lock i said he needed an epiphanic moment an epiphanic game um who knows That's man i mean he uh he won't uh probably won't start next week uh, we probably won't see him again in all likelihood but I, I hope for him that, you know, he gets uh, another shot at uh, competing for a starting job somewhere and that he can win the camp camp battle. I could see him going to Tampa Bay. Um, you know, uh, they probably stick with Baker Mayfield, but, you know, it, it was uh, good for Drew. Good for Drew. Yeah, right? that, that's got to be worth at least a, a second round pick. NFL, hello. Right. And like the arm is still intriguing, right? Like. I mean, it's hard. It's hard not to be intrigued with his arm because he can get throws off with his out of his feet being set in the pocket. This guy has traits, right? He's you traits. can fix him, and that will be the death of a lot of coaches' careers. But you see why you see the allure, right? Um, I don't want to be the team to have to find out if he can put it together. You know, I'm, I'm very content with Gino, um, but still, you know, it was it was good. And also, here's the other thing. This is an this is another vote of confidence that Pete Carroll knows how to build an offense around what his quarterback can do. I mean, he really gets offensive football. And not to get too, uh, I love that. Not to uh, get the, too sidetracked here, but on the talk of the offensive football, though, uh, credit to Shane Waldron as well because uh, Drew Locke in his post game press conference uh, credits the offensive coordinator for reminding him that hey. Watch Jackson Smith and Jigba here. If we get man to man, if we get that one on one, throw the ball to him. A good reminder that can happen when they're allowed to talk in the headset and clearly a, a very timely reminder too. Apparently they called it on the, the first third down of the game. Uh, JSN said afterwards that football things happen and for whatever reason the ball didn't go there. But a real kind of coming full circle for the offense and just a great, great finish and something we haven't seen enough this season. That's kind of why this feels so good. Like, you know, they, they'd lost uh, four games in a row. They... um they really did have to win this one. I mean, ramifications-wise, this moves the Seahawks on the season uh, to 500, as I've said. Uh, they now face at the Titans versus the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Arizona Cardinals. But the New York Times now gives Seattle's playoff chances at 45%. And I'm unsure about that algorithm, given their, 
They're vying for the last two postseason spots with the 7-7 seven and seven Rams, 7-7 seven and seven Saints, 7-7 seven and seven Vikings, and the Vikings are given a 53% playoff chance. The Rams are 49%, and then the Saints 41%. Even though the Vikings have to play the Lions twice and the Packers at home, uh, the Rams have to um, obviously hold the double over the Seahawks, but they still have to travel to the 49ers, and the Saints have to play the Rams at the Rams, then at the Buccaneers versus the Falcons. I know, I feel pretty positive about Seattle suddenly. Uh, yeah. I mean, Ty, before we get onto the defense, you got anything else on, on Drew, the offense? I mean, you know, it was it was a mixed bag for Drew. Um, there was obviously like the overthrow to Tyler. There was a couple other, you know, pretty shaky throws. I mean, even on the game-winning drive, there were a couple of shaky throws. Um, but, I, you know, I mean, the, 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 one, the first third down completion to DK, obviously not a great ball, but, I mean, to, to stand in the pocket there in the end zone, take that hit, deliver that ball to DK. Overall, pretty impressed by that. Uh, I think it was, what, three third down completions on that drive uh, from Drew, and uh, obviously DK a big part of that. Um, just uh, just really overall just so impressed um, w- with his composure on that drive. I'm, dude, like, just think about the circumstances of that drive, right? 92, they have to go 92 yards, 112 seconds to go, just one time out, and you got your backup quarterback in against, and I know the Eagles defense have had a lot of struggles this year, but against one of the best teams in the NFL, are you serious? Like, that's that's insane. Like, those circumstances are nuts. Uh, and, and the fact that they were able to, uh, to, to pull this thing out is just, I'm still stunned. I'm still speechless overall about this. I, I still, like, haven't fully comprehended what I, what I watched tonight, but, uh, yeah, man, that was awesome. Uh, this was like peak uh, Carroll era primetime Seahawks game stuff. You had yeah. North end zone nonsense. You had some cheat Hawks moments. You had, uh, you know, the backup quarterback nonsense, all this stuff. Uh, you know, Ken Walker running his absolute ass off tonight was wild. You had uh, beating the Eagles on primetime. Yeah, beat, beating the Eagles again. For some reason, the Eagles just can't beat the Seahawks. Uh, it's no matter what iteration of the team, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter how better on paper the the Eagles look than the Seahawks, doesn't matter. Seahawks always yeah. win for some reason. It's um, yeah, this was very very entertaining. Uh, I think you know, obviously, the Seahawks really needed a game like this and basically just saved their season. Drew Locke, you know, and obviously it wasn't just Drew, but Drew Locke based. You know, help them save their season tonight. Yeah, and I, I think you know Seattle sports in general kind of kind of needed this right now as well, uh, especially if you're not a Huskies fan. So, uh, yeah, things things feeling a little bit better. Uh, this this was awesome. Um, this is <laughs> just a crazy batshit game, and I absolutely loved it. Yeah, yeah. the the Seahawks are now eight and zero against the Eagles with Pete Carroll. The last time Philadelphia beat Seattle was two thousand and eight, when they had Andy Reid as their head coach, Donovan McNabb as their quarterback, versus the very end of Mike Holmgren and uh, Seneca Wallace uh, under center. So that's insane. unreal. That's insane. That's insane. <laughs> um, it is insane. They must be very upset. Now, thank you very much to Will, uh, Greg, uh, who uh, we we read out every comment, uh, every uh, super chat. If you want to use the mm-hmm. super chat function on YouTube, it's fairly. Uh, instructive i think mm-hmm. horse cock mf lock absolutely horse anatomy <laughs> lock getting it done thank you very much for the donation um horse anatomy metal face lock that's right yep. <laughs> oh, i thought he was i thought he was referring to chickens yeah 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 no he was he was because of course i'm thinking like you know farm animals yeah farm farm animals Pigs, right. cows. He he cockadoodled. What what oh. question for you guys on the chat? What is what is your favorite farm animal? Let us know. Yeah, right <laughs> can't can't wait for those answers. Um, so finally, we should say that the reason Locke was in the game is, I mean, we heard Geno Smith's injury was a two week deal, but it sounded like he was very close to being able to play. They just didn't want to risk it in the rain, and so Locke ended up getting the start. But really does sound as Griff said that this might be the last we see of Locke because Drew Locke, uh, uh, Geno Smith, sorry, should be able to suit up against the Titans for this kind of last trio of games. Now, Griff, the defense still had to stop the Eagles from scoring or even getting into field goal range to wrap this one up. And uh, Philadelphia had two timeouts when they took the football over uh, and they also had 28 seconds, 
28 seconds? Yeah. Yes, 28 seconds to play with. But Griff, they got it done, and, and Julian Love, after already having one impressive interception, made a game-sealing pick, uh, covering per next-gen stats 23.4 yards in just 2.9 seconds, playing at the post-safety, making a play on the outside of the numbers, under-throwing football on a double move to A.J. Brown, picking off Jalen Hurts, somehow getting both feet in bounds with some tapping of the toes and sealing the game. How good was the defense on that last drive? And, you know, they improved, right, in this game? Yeah, I definitely think that they improved. Some of it we might need to pump the brakes a little bit and consider that, like, the Eagles don't really have a great drop-back game. You know, their they're, they're go balls to Devontae and A.J. Brown, their RPO game and then quarterback run game. And, you know, some comebacks and stop routes on the outside. Beyond that, they they really don't challenge you. Um, you know, their over-the-middle concepts are fairly static, like kind of when Bobby got picked on a little bit early on. Um, but they definitely did play well. I think ultimately they played to their talent level of guys that were out there, which is great. Like they played assignment, assignment, sound, organized football. They didn't have big blunders, big busts. Um, on that final drive, yeah, the, the corners on the the one on one targets on the outside, they just contested well. Like they, like Mike Jackson and Trey Brown, then those guys can cover a little bit, um, and they, they were sticky. And I think, uh, you know, the safeties were in the right spots. Um, I mean, the deep coverage from the safety group this year has been good, actually. Like they've been fine. They've been quite good. Even they're not giving air yard explosives downfield this year like that's not their problem they're giving up explosives in the intermediate especially the high intermediate um that wasn't a problem this game so uh yeah it was just them playing like adult football you know and like this this group is should be good so um it's surprising and only in the sense that like they hadn't been playing well but it shouldn't be surprising because they should be this good even without you know, Tariq Woolen playing the whole game and without Devin Witherspoon and everything. So, um, yeah, um, I, I I think it was good. For, I mean, Julian Love got picked on a little bit in match situations, like when he was lower. Like, he cannot cover a, a, um, a seam stop for his life. He just overruns it by, like, five yards. But, you know, carrying three on his first interception, I think he was opening up final three match from the week hook, right? Or or was it a backside quarter? I think it was a week hook, but it was cool hearing him describe that because, um, let's see, this is me saying this is going to sound a bit weird, but anyway, I've just thought that. Uh, but uh, we'll see if we get there and I get away with it. But Cronje Diggs was, um, he said how Cronje Diggs shouted when he saw the route uh, because... Diggs is playing in the post, but he's leaning his post to the opposite side because it's trips. He he shouted Jew as uh, the route was coming, as Julian Love was having to take the, the final three up and back. And Julian Love said he just broke underneath that route and, and, and made the pick. They On the broadcast, they're calling, saying that's defense, pass, and defense. I mean, you could call defense, pass, interference on basically any contested play. Ultimately, uh, Julian Love made a play that, um you know, Jamal Adams didn't the previous week and that... Uh, Jalen Hurts didn't think he'd be able to make, and it was a re- I, it was just enough contact to be able to win the catch point, a subtle, subtle enough tug down, and then a really, really impressive kind of over-the-shoulder catch. Now, yeah. uh, Bryce Rossler finally making a good point in the chat, saying uh, it seems like the Seahawks' defense used more post-snap strong, weak rotation than usual, maybe to mess with Jalen Hurts or no. Well, Bryce, partly I think there was a bit of a kind of too high deal going on in this game where Seattle's presenting too high at the snap and then rotating down. I think that's just how Seattle wants to approach spread formations, although giving up 4.7 yards per carry, I I need to get the advanced EPA on that on rbsdm.com. That's not great. They won't be happy about that, as they won't with their 178 net yards rushing. And obviously, Jalen Hurts' QB sneaks kind of lessen that um, average down because I'm just using basic raw numbers. But I think a big part of the defensive plan in recent weeks, and it hasn't quite worked, although in this game it seemed to, is rotating three bars into the menu quite a lot getting Quandre Diggs down into the digs, letting Bobby Wagner stay a bit lower and a bit less important on a lot of plays and, and trying to alleviate the issue. But what was encouraging about this game uh, to me, uh, Ty, was, I mean, they started rough. It looked like Bobby Wagner was getting picked on, uh, even to the point that Troy Aikman, who at this rate, he seems absolutely sourced out his mind and on <laughs> this game's progress. I guess it was early, but um, 
allegedly he seems to me Alleged, it's my opinion allegedly Alleg allegedly um, allegedly just an observation allegedly. maybe not yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's just having yeah, yeah. fun um we're, we're, anyway we're Ty, just, after we're just that point seeing the the defense adjusted maybe a bit more blitzing as well maybe just saying to bobby wagner hey don't cover just pressure um and that kind of went hand in hand with keeping hurts more in the pocket bit better rush plans generally i don't know yeah, yeah, Bobby was getting picked on a little bit there, like the uh, the the Goddard first down uh, early on in the game. I think it was on the first drive. Um, yeah, it it did seem like they made a, a little bit of adjustment there. And um, dude, real quick, can we talk about Leonard Williams? What a freaking game from Leonard Williams! Yeah, like dude, that was he's good, man. That that was that was awesome, man. I thought uh, also I thought Artie Burns had a pretty decent game. I don't know what the tape will say about that, but I thought he uh, flashed a little bit whenever I saw him on the TV. Yes. So, um, Ty Leonard Williams two tackles for loss. To your point, uh, don't he didn't have a sack, but he just seemed like a general nuisance. Seemed to make some big plays at crucial moments. And yeah, I completely agree with Artie Burns. He had that nice pass uh, deflection on the nickel blitz. He's played. He got the nickel shout over Kobe Bryant. I'd said pre-game in my live stream that um, I thought Kobe Bryant would get it wrong. Idiot. But Burns, I think back to that preseason game against the Packers where Pete Carroll's really enthused about how well he played at the nickel. And yeah. he also was the week one nickel, wasn't he, versus the Rams? I misremembered what happened there. And so, the Panthers, too. And the Panthers. Yeah. Thank you, Griff. So, I mean, really good player to pick out. Yeah. And well, and it, spe it speaks to the whole thing. Sorry, really quick. How, you no know, worries. Pete's, how Pete's like laying, laying the hammer down. Like, like, yeah, Kobe feels like the natural pick, but they're playing Artie at the expense of Kobe. And, like, that's just he probably played better in practice. And they're well, and after last week, Griff. Yeah, that too. So, yeah. So, like, it's all about, like, you know, the best players that get out there, the guys that prepare the best get out there. So that's probably making everyone focus up, focus up more. Yeah, how did and the fact that I mean they they went into this game under man with without Spoon without Jamal, uh, it's, it's pretty incredible. I, I I mean I know like Jalen's not playing at a hundred percent, and obviously Devonte got banged up pretty early on, and uh, it seemed like even AJ Brown got a little shaken up there um, during the game. Um, so they definitely weren't playing at full strength, and Cam Jurgens was out too. But uh, I I think it's still pretty pretty impressive what what this defense yeah. was able to accomplish against this offense and I, you know I, I listened to to the Ben Solak interview that you did Maddie um and obviously he was talking about how you know pretty simple simplified this Eagles offense is but even still um you know especially given the issues that this this defense has had coming off of the week that it just did in, in San Francisco with all the yards they gave up and all that um hell of a bounce back overall um, and and just a great way to to keep this game close, right? Because that's the thing, right? Like like Drew and company only have this opportunity at the end of the game if you know they they're able to get a couple of really key stops, especially on that last drive there, where basically Eagles get a first down there, <laughs> game's over. Like so. Yeah, uh, Philadelphia held to 9 of 16 on third down, which is still over 56%, but it, it felt like, and I'm sure the numbers would back me up, that uh, the defense kind of clamped up, started playing ball. The other guy we should praise is Michael Jackson coming in at the right corner spot with uh, two pass breakups, replacing Reek Woolen. Seems Reek Woolen was benched. He still found his way on the field. Uh, Pete Cowell described that as just a competition which was had during the week, but the reason they had that was Woolen wasn't playing good enough to run and pass, just tackling in general, not making the plays which were there to be made, and and also giving up plays which shouldn't really have been there. Like, you kind of, not unforced errors, but like sloppy, poor errors. And so Jackson earns his shot, and he's hitting, he's sticky, he's he's doing some really nice things. I mean, uh, Griff, I know you, uh, you're impressed with Jackson, but also how did you see the defense adjust in that second half? Um, Adjustment-wise, I, I think that, yeah, we, we did see more post-snap rotation for the safeties, which is a tool they've been using really since the Bengals game. Um, it's not like he hasn't had that idea. Uh, they, they did start sending more pressure. I mean, one, one of Clint Hurd's tools is the, the replacement pressures, right? Um, it's a way to kind of, you know, you manage the running back, you change the the post-snap picture for the, for the um, quarterback, but you can still kind of play your core coverages with your core principles and you, you still maintain spacing. So there's just a little bit more post-snap action. Um, you know, the you creepers, don't really, right? Yeah, the creepers. Um, 
which is audience, which Maddie's talked about a lot, a four-man a four-man pressure. We were rushing four guys, but one of the the fourth rusher comes from the second level, so thus you're dropping someone from the defensive line. Um, the I mean, it's it's ironic. Like you don't really need to change a lot. You don't need to do a lot defensively against the Eagles, other than have a good game plan to defend the sidelines and have an RPO game plan. Really, um, I didn't really see them having an answer for their like their slant flat RPO. You know, their uh, I really didn't see enough of that, but it, it didn't hurt them too much. Um, I'm curious to see what went wrong on the uh, the scrape exchanges for for Jalen Hurts when he when he kept. Um, but other than that, I think, you know, they they just they got depth in their zone. I think there's emphasis for the interior defenders to get depth on their zone. And again, there's more like static Hank concepts, which is just curl flats. Um, and then I think, you know, the corners were just winning the outside battle against the best go ball team in the league. You know, the Seahawks are really, really good. The Eagles might be slightly better. Um, and they just won the red line. Jackson and Trey Brown did little diminutive Trey Brown. That guy can body routes up on the outside down yeah, the red the, line. Griff, so. the Eagles Dude's had 4.6 yards per pass and Jalen Hurts held to 17 of 31 for 143 yards, zero passing touchdowns, two interceptions. I mean, pass defense wise, they did a heck of a job. Yeah. And it was, so it was his scrambles on, on quarter on call dropbacks that inflate his his EPA. But like, yeah, the actual pass defense itself was good um so i I'm, i am curious to, to look into the tape i really feel like i really feel like this wasn't because i never thought the problems was like scheme per se it was maybe coaching of the scheme and execution i feel like what we'll see on tape is just sound fundamentals stacking up snap after snap and it leading to this um so the and and then the other thing is like you know, you, you know, the whole idea of um, what we talked about in the, the last episode I was on, talked about how if you have enough, if you just eclipse talent thresholds in enough areas, you can be greater than the sum of your parts because you're no longer adding those units together. You multiply them together when you're not eclipsing talent thresholds in certain areas. It's like the opposite. It's like you're multiplying by the inverse. It's you, you, you shrink, you become less than the sum of your parts. Um, I think that this was a game where they were greater than the sum of their parts. Artie, I mean, Artie Burns being your starting nickel is not that enthusiastic, is not that enthusing on paper, right? Uh, et cetera. Michael Jackson starting over Tariq Woolen doesn't sound great on paper, but they were, the coaching staff was got everybody ready to go. Um, they got everybody you, you got corner play that eclipsed the threshold. You got safety play that eclipsed the threshold necessary. Uh, Bobby got his act together in, in coverage a little bit. And then I think Clint Hurt, his supplementary calls were just so to alleviate some of those problem areas. And it all added up. Well, actually, it didn't add up. It multiplied up in, in, the, in the end to be what they needed to be. So, um, I mean, it was mistake-free football and defense for the most part, right? Like, that that's huge. That's huge. Um you know, we're, we're, we're still seeing, we're still seeing how the pass rush affects defending the check down, like on like the, the, the that downstream effect. Um, so like the, the, like the, the basic structure of the front structure, allowing that to be balanced against the run in the pass is still a good thing. Um, but then we also still see how the lack of Nwosu still strains the pass rush. So kind of back to that threshold of talent thing. Um, but it was just a game to me that's really encouraging for the overall picture, um, that the staff can get its act together, the players can play up to their level and all that. So, I really did feel that um, the defense just, I mean, in the first half, the, the even the pass rush games felt a bit off, but they, they kind of called their best pass rush games when it mattered most. And obviously you need to know that you're getting passed, mm. but like, the Leonard Williams pass breakup, um, or, or f not pass breakup, but he forced an incompletion uh, to to give the Seahawks the football back on on a big third down, and just uh, the the play before the interception, which I think was an incompletion from Hertz, where they flush him from the pocket, and then they they retrace well, and 
it it all just looked really really good when it mattered most so credit to clint hurt and also bt jordan who i think is probably the one who's really kind of suggesting pass rush games with his little clipboard on the sideline uh for doing that i mean at half time the eagles had the time of possession battle 18 minutes 56 seconds to 11 minutes 4 seconds for the seahawks and their two scoring drives were of 15 and 16 plays and combined uh to nearly take up 17 minutes of that so huge huge uh touchdown drives which were just so so um bad for seattle and yet they come away with it hold the uh eagles to uh seven uh second half points just very very impressive stuff um ty how good was kenneth walk in this game it felt like he broke a kind of like every single tackle i don't actually have the exact numbers he was just an unbelievable wasn't he yeah, this was an example of where, you know, his uh, his patience, his vision actually pays off, right? You know, sometimes that comes back to bite him, but this is one of those games where it didn't. And also, you know, credit to this offensive line. There was some really nice push-up run as well yeah. on uh, quite a few of the runs uh, tonight. Um, but yeah, man, he was breaking a ton of tackles. He put Sidney Brown in absolute hell on that uh, one scoring drive. Um he was awesome tonight. And, you know, it's a very lazy comp. I, I tweeted this earlier, but it did remind me of 2011 Thursday night football against the Eagles. Marshawn, like, uh, like the, the, especially that run where I don't know if yeah. you guys remember, but like Marshawn just kind of disappeared in the pile and somehow came out of that and scored. Yeah. Um, that was, I just, I couldn't help but, but think about that game, um, tonight watching, uh, Walker's performance. He was awesome tonight. Um, like literally put the team on his back at times uh, and and made some stuff happen out in an open field where you know he's kind of one-on-one with a guy like Sidney Brown on the um on the check down uh that Drew had where it looked like he was probably going to lose three or four yards yep. on that play and he ends up turn, turning it into a first down like he was massive massive tonight he was absolutely one of the biggest reasons that they won this game um yeah really cool to see him you know seemingly fully healthy you know as as fully healthy as he could possibly be at this time of year um because you know you can see what a what a real different uh, difference maker he can be i love how you said reference marshall lynch ty because i mean that drive coming out of the second half that you know the seahawks were um what was the score at that point were they behind by three or was it a tied game it was 10 to 3 it was 10 to 3. It was 10 to 3, right. It just felt like they absolutely had to do something, otherwise it would all just end. And they put together a nine-play, 75-yard drive where Walker kind of takes over the game, uh, capped off by a beautiful 23-yard touchdown, which I believe was the first um, explosive play of the game. And it, and he just mm-hmm. he just was so impressive, like catching, uh, running. And I also felt, Griff, I don't know if you found this as well, but felt like in this game, Seattle may have found a run concept they can lean on. Now, the Eagles' run defense is actually better than I expected, whereas their their real issue has been their pass uh, D, their pass coverage. But they're not the best run D, but the, and Seattle's faced some really tough opponents before this game, don't get me wrong. But that kind of uh, heavy personnel gap concept, whether it was yeah. power or like G lead kind of thing, uh, kind of reminded me of the stuff the Bucks used to do with Brady. That feels like something they can hang their hat on, getting Walker right. under center, running behind a pulling Damian Lewis. And it, it also, I mean, they blocked it well, right? I mean, they were just finding the bubble. I think it was just a front beater, and they blocked it well. The, the tight ends had some really good down blocks. Will Disley in particular made some great blocks because um, it's that initial down block on the bubble side, which is the most important block, I think, for to see get that capital. bubble, right? Yep, yep. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, it was just, a, I mean, Waldron is, he, he has his core runs, which I think he, sh- he shouldn't necessarily be super multiple in the run game because that makes the changeup runs work better. They just need the core runs to be more effective. I think the core runs were good, but yeah, Maddie, I, I agree that, that um, I think it was just power, regular old power worked really well from under center. Um, um, I mean, they probably found different ways to attack the bubble. They might have done the same thing out of counter or or maybe even G Lee, like you said. Uh, but yeah, it was great. And, and I think, you know, going that ties into really the most important thing of this game. And what Ty also mentioned, the O-line is putting it together. Yeah. That is the most important thing for the finish of this season and their chances in the playoffs should they squeak in the wild card. 
and next year because we needed to see signs of life. Can they recapture what they did up front the first 13 weeks of the season in 2022? Because that is what will dictate their ability to fix their third down problem, which they kind of did tonight, or they are continuing to with the Cowboys game with Geno and then this game. Um, and then just, you know, making it easier to drop back pass and earlier downs as well. That's what is, I mean, the fact that they've had the 13th ranked offense and it's probably be even better after tonight with as putrid of O-line play they've had, which again has been primarily because of injury, but then the starters come back and they don't have continuity and they can play just as bad as the backups did. Surely that couldn't have gone on forever, right? I mean, surely the good players become good again, right? Like, isn't that supposed to happen? Yeah. And then against a very good D-line, they put forth a really good game, uh, run blocking and pass protection. So this has me very enthusiastic, especially looking at what's remaining on the schedule. I mean, they should take care of business the next three next three weeks. Um, I mean, if they yeah, don't, they- it's not good, but they should. Yeah. Well, and I feel like tonight and even the Cowboys game is kind of the proof of concept that they can do this against these you know, it gets like the second tier of NFC teams because like yeah. the 49ers are in their own tier right now. But like right. the Eagles, Cowboys, et cetera, that group of teams, they can absolutely do this. They can get Lions, into that wild yeah. card. Yeah, Lions. I mean, they beat they beat the Lions. They almost beat the Cowboys. They've beaten the Eagles now. Obviously, you know, it's going to be different settings in, in a wild card you know, setting. But um, still, I, I, I think, you know, if, if they can put it all together, they're more than capable of doing this. I mean, this is what we've been talking about or what we did talk about before this losing streak is that with the talent on this roster, they are more than capable of competing at a high level with all of these teams. Um, and I feel like tonight is again, like I said, kind of the proof of concept of that. So, you know, we'll see long, long way to go. They, they, you know, they need to win out here. I mean, that's the safest way for them to get in here. And um, there's a, pretty decent chance like you mentioned earlier maddie you know that the rams are going to lose at least one game the rest of the way out so if that happens and they went out they're you know they're 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 probably in so um yeah i i think they're more than capable of doing some damage here but uh you know they just got to keep building upon this and and hopefully they don't regress and we'll see where gino's at health wise but uh this is a good building block for them also the the Cowboys game as well. So um, anyway, I gotta I gotta go. I'm bye Ty. Really, I'm bye, really Ty. tired. I, I love you guys. I love you guys. This was awesome. I'm so glad to to be back with you guys here. Um, for those of you that listen to Locked On Mariners, we're gonna be back at it tomorrow. So look forward to that. Um, but yeah, go Hawks, man. Yeah. This was Sent this was a lot of fun. People, go Hawks, baby. This, this was a lot of fun, guys. All right, let's do it again soon. Talk later. Bye, Ty. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, so Locke sacked uh, two times tonight, Griff, and I think one of them was like a long developing interior game, which is basically the way to get out of the Seattle in passing down situations. I think the other was a coverage sack, so it didn't seem that egregious, Like I, I just to the point of the offensive line being fairly solid this game. And, and, and actually the run game getting movement, I mean, Seattle on the day rushed for over 100 yards, well, 100 yards exactly, 4.2 yards per carry. I mean, I think they'll take that every time compared to the low amounts of yardage they've been having. And on the the Walker touchdown run, the 20-plus yarder, Drew Locke reached his top speed of 18 miles per hour as a lead blocker, which, again, felt very... uh, Seahawk here. It reminded me of like a 2012 team, how balanced that was, but also Locke just being a kind of point guard, not really being given, he's been given like, a, it's like an RPO, but a triple option throw into the flat. Yeah. That yeah. sort of stuff. I am I am really curious to get a hold of the tape and see what they actually did in the drop back game with him on early downs in particular, like, because uh, like what you call is indicative of what you think the quarterback can handle. So like it shows that what it, it's indicative of what he's shown in practice. It's obviously indicative of what they practice itself. Um, it's commentary. There's a lot to be gleaned from. Obviously, they know he can do he he can do the point and shoot play action stuff. He did last week. I don't know if he actually did it that well this week. Um, we also know he's liable to throw the ball in a double coverage forty yards downfield, thirty yards downfield. His placement isn't great, but like. You know, if you line it up right, you can still be productive there. So 
Um, he was good on third downs, as we know. Um, he was inspiring on that final drive. So I am curious to see what Waldron thinks of him. Um, you know, uh, th that will be that will be interesting to watch. I'm really I'm really enthused by the O line, though, man. Like I think Cross and Lucas had a really good game. I think uh, was it Bradford had a, uh, a couple of bad losses against Carter. Yeah. And then I think Evan Brown had a bad loss against Carter, but that's fine. You, you take a couple of lumps there. Um, Lewis played well. Yeah, he's a wreck of a player, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, so real quick with the chat, um, Timothy, that's perhaps the quickest redemption. Thank you so much for the <laughs> for the donation. Uh, appreciate that. I'm glad you're celebrating. Uh, Tyler, thank you so much. I'm glad that you, you find us educational. Uh, other Tyler, thank you so much. Tyler's having a competition. Tyler winning by a cent, <laughs> but thank you. And Forrest, Luke, on JSN's touchdown, I was convinced it was Lockett until it replayed twice. Yeah, that was a Lockett-style extension. It was a really impressive uh, grab, wasn't it? Because, I mean, I, I said like it was precise from... Drew Lock, but um, uh, OG three, watch it, buddy. You know, you'd been you'd been doing so well, and it'd just be a shame on a night like tonight if uh if things went awry. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, Lock kind of put that a bit long for for JSN, but he made him right, which is which is cool. Um, kind of an example of the adjustment. Uh, John McTeague of ESPN Stats Info had in the first half the Seahawks blitzing Jalen Hurts on only one of his 18 dropbacks, just 5.6%. If that held, it would have been the second lowest blitz rate Hurts had faced in his career. He faced 5% in 2021 at the Oakland Raiders, maybe Las Vegas at that point. But anyway, the two lowest blitz rates Hurts faced this season entering this game came versus the 49ers and the Jets. 49ers 12%, Jets 16%, and the Eagles... Uh, lost both of those games. There was two of those three losses. So clearly not blitzing hurts that much, maybe a part of the winning formula. That being said, the 49ers and Jets have real genuine rush for pass rush. So I don't know about the correlation, but clearly Seattle saw something which suggested they shouldn't blitz hurts much. And in the second half, they ramped it up a bit more. Uh, I would be interested to know their final rate. I know Seattle doesn't like to pressure that much, uh, just in general anyway. Griff. Yeah. Yes. Seahawks Nerd 75 tweeted, Truly, man, it's nights like these that make competing worth it. F that tanking loser shit. Oh, I swore. I think that's a sentiment that we've agreed with, right? Yeah, agreed. Who, why, why you want to? I mean, think about the damage that does to your club's mentality. Like, plus, also, it's not as though. I mean, maybe net talent, but gross talent is not the issue for this team anyway. So whatever marginal improvement you get via four or five draft slots is not worth the loss in the development of other players trying to play good football and cohesion and everything like that. Apps continuity, continuity has been their main issue out of the gate every every year. What you 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 want to hold on to as much continuity as you can get, whenever. They put it together in a season and they're like, all right, they finally arrived, whether one unit or the other. It's because of they actually get caught. As much as we talk about scheme tweaks and all that stuff, it's just guys getting on the field together, staying together, and then building chemistry finally. One of the one of the most important things for that is to, you know, not wanting to rock the boat too much. If if you if you start to lose games, you undo a lot of progress and it it just it's shooting yourself in the foot. I mean, if you want to tank for like, if you're in a really bad situation and you need like the quarterback of the future or whatever, then okay. But they're not, that's not where this team is at right now. Um, they're not going to be in position to draft Drake May or Caleb Williams. Like, forget about that. Otherwise, it's just, you know, you're talking about, you know, I don't know, you might miss out on Romo Duns, you know, at the 10 to 12 slot, whatever, beyond that. I mean, I don't, what they need in the draft anyway is they can find in the, the bottom third of the first round. They don't need to be find the insane heavy hitter. They have they have the guys, and they just need to make minor adjustments here and there. 
And, and on a micro level, just how fun was tonight and, and the win, you know? Yeah. What, watching tanking football isn't why you you fall in love with the sport, unless you're just a, a draft nerd. And there does tend to be a correlation between people who uh, advocate for tanking and people who just watch for the draft, which is fine. You can do that. But then just go and, go and follow the team who has the number one pick every year. Anyway, I'm not here to gatekeep fandom, and I understand people cope in different ways, but... Tonight is the one, one of the most fun, I think, Seahawks victories in, in quite some time. Um, that was just pure madness. And, Griff, part of the reason it was pure madness is because there was the weird stuff. There was the horrendous sequence where... And we, we should talk about it. So, Seattle is marching down the field. It looks like... And it's the type of game where, you know, you don't know how well the defense is going to play. They've kind of struggled. But also, Drew Locke is under centre, and they hadn't really moved the ball that much, and they'd been struggling. They had some third and longs, but then there was, you know, some false starts during the game. Noah Fant had two, I think. There was others. I mean, offensive penalty-wise looks just really nasty. And, you know, there was, like, weird moments of Drew Locke inaccuracy. It was raining. And then the kind of peak moment is... Seattle uh, converts on a. I think it was. It was like it definitely a passing. It was. It was fourth and two, right? And they came out in a clear passing look. They throw a slant to DK Metcalf. It rightly gets called for defense pass interference, but it feels risky. And mm. then they get in third and two and show another clear passing look for a consecutive, you know, time. Yeah. And Drew Lock. It t- looks like throws an incompletion when he's in the grasp. On yeah. fourth and two, Seattle, for whatever reason, and we can talk about that, doesn't get the play in. And then, or, or in time, so Pete Carroll has to take a timeout. That then allows the Eagles to watch the replay. It shows Drew Locke's knee was down before the ball came out. And uh, the Eagles challenge. So rather than facing third and two, or, or fourth and two, sorry, Seattle ends up uh, in a fourth and nine situation. They end up having to kick a field goal. And, I mean, to me, that felt so messy because... One, if you're in third and two, why are you in a clear passing look where you're, it's obvious you're passing? Why not run the ball or at least threaten run because you know you're going for it on fourth and two? Why not do that? And then second, if you know you're going for it on fourth and two, why don't you have a play ready to go immediately so you're bang, bang? Uh, and then third, why aren't you not told in the the headset? I, I know the replay came in, but you should be told in the headset. Don't Or just don't take a time out. Just let the... Anyway, it's just a, just a messy procedure, no, Griff? No, I agree. Something that needs to be hammered out better. Um, especially for a team that finds itself in, you know, hurry-up situations to go win the game or, you know, get a lead before the half or get points before the half, you know, type of situation. Yeah, and that was um, in the fourth quarter, wasn't it? That, uh Yep. Uh, t- 10 minutes five seconds Myers kicked that field goal and it wasn't a it was a had been a 10 play drive which is why it, f- it just felt like very similar to how they'd messed up other games yeah agreed but then Julian Love gets that interception so I guess they got away with it 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 might always be the kind of thing that I, I think it happens to bad teams I think it also happens to teams who haven't won in a while but yeah. There's not much more to say about that. I agree. I agree. Um, you know, if, if they had, they probably don't find themselves in the situation if they have Gino in this game. There's probably more. I mean, I think if Gino's in this game, they probably win by 10 points. But we'll yeah. see. And, not, and to, I- not to discredit all that Drew did, though. No, it did definitely happen. Um, and not to discredit what happened, but the the miss to Tyler Lockett, where he just inexplicably fl- throwing deep leads it outside and, and, and long rather than... It was it looked like a skinny post, but it's hard to tell with the placement. But he, he should have thrown that inside and they had it. Um, he just missed it, a bit like last week. He And I know it is wet today, but just throughout his career, he has moments of just like weird inaccuracies that just occur. Um, yeah. It's not so much no. as reading the defense wrong. It's just like straight up throwing the football wrong. Um, he, I mean, he doesn't have, I mean, he's always been 
you know, he's been known to spray the ball a little bit. Streaky. You know, yeah. Is what it is. But what was, again, so cool about this is that Seattle uh, and Drew Locke came through. Um, Tyler Lockett became the second player in franchise history and 94th player in NFL history to record 600 career receptions. That'll be him and Steve Largent, won't it? And it is insane. And is still uh, really good, man. I don't, he's getting, he's catching a little heat. I think it's because the volume stats aren't there, but I I connect that to the protection. He's, he's playing really well, I think. I see Tyler to me still. Yeah. And I, I spoke about, um, kind of that because I, I was asked about that on, on a stream and um i think it's more that he just hasn't had the opportunities or been given the opportunities i mean he, even early in this game you have a noah fan out route he's off the line of scrimmage which i think kind of suits his game but the guy setting the kind of pick or, or the rub uh, the guy asked to be the point man in, in, on the trips bunch side is tyler lockett i mean that's never gonna be something he wins at and he was kind of held but uh yeah i just didn't know about um that yeah taylor that's spooky that tyler and steve largent share the same birthday and the same uh the same place um taylor we need an astrology breakdown on that yeah they yeah uh, does it point towards uh is is tulsa they're from isn't it tulsa oklahoma i think anyway grish not helping me here um <laughs> we need so, our producer tile so Again, ramifications of this game. So, if the Los Angeles Rams, if the Los Angeles Rams, if the Los Angeles Rams lose on Thursday, the Seattle Seahawks control their own destiny and will qualify for the postseason if they win out. And the same would apply if the Vikings lose to the Lions on Sunday. And just to reiterate, Seattle now has a forty-five percent chance of making the playoffs per the New York Times. Next Gen Stats puts their chances at forty-three percent. Uh, and the, the the seven and seven Vikings have to play versus the Lions versus the Packers at the Lions. They have a fifty three percent New York Times chance. That seems so high given they're now onto Nick Mullins, their quarterback. The 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 astronaut yeah. the astronaut is over, and they're just banged up. Uh, then the seven and seven Rams versus Saints at Giants at forty nine is a forty nine percent New York Times chance. The fact the Rams did the double over the Seahawks and they have to play at the Niners in week 18 where the 49ers may potentially, especially after the Seagulls lost, uh, rest their players, that doesn't feel great. I think maybe Seattle's going for the seventh seed, really. And then the 7-7 seven and seven Saints, who are at the Rams, at the Buccaneers versus the Falcons, or Falcons, Bryce, a uh, 41% New York Times chance. So uh, they're right in it. It was, a, it was a massive victory for that. The fact that it, it snaps off their losing streak and... Griff, remind me, how many losing seasons does Pete Carroll has as a Seahawks head coach in his massively long tenure? Three. And then one of them, he went to the playoffs anyway. And then in the other one, it was... And one. And one. Um, And then the other two, his quarterback sustained a pectoral tear on his throwing arm. And his defense finished the year really good. And then the other one, his quarterback was out and then came back still very injured with a busted up finger and his Pythagorean win was still like 10 wins. How so, curious. So, I mean, Pete Carroll wins games and he, he I'd argue, maximizes his roster. Um, and I think that that doesn't mean he does it every week, but I mean, over the course of like the whole season window, over the stretch of a two, three year window, I think he maximizes his core. Um, and I think part of the the unmet expectations are because he has inflated those expectations by virtue of him being the coach. People, if the, there was a worse coach, people wouldn't have the same expectations for some of the groups they've had. Um, so, yeah. Griff, um, do you want to watch something funny? Sure. So, Twitter user at... McNeil Webster posted their view of the game ceiling pick. Mm-hmm. One second. Good old McNeil. Yep. I think he's a friend of the pod. There we go. So it's cover three bars where Quandre Diggs is coming down into the strong hook. Bobby Wagner's in the weak hook, which can get yikes of calls. 
But it's two by, uh, what's the formation? Is it two by two? Yeah, it's two by two. Uh, this is a tight end That's who they guy, yeah. leave in pass pro. Look at look at how many bodies they get on the over route. Yep. <laughs> it's good that, that's a good we cook drop from Bobby though. Yep. Fine enough. Reds is indicators. It's just, it's a bad, terrible uh, route distribution from the Eagles though. Just... So th this is interesting. Th this is, uh, well, they're in dime. But in... that's, the, so th th we've got a nickel carry, don't we? Uh, yeah, based on back release, right? Yeah, but I mean, we we typically, I mean, that's kind of that's that showing them mixing it up, right? Yeah, we'll have to see if that um if that continues. Because normally the match is going to be Kobe's side on the tight end. Yeah, uh, why well, I said based on back release because if uh if this dude releases fast three, maybe Diggs handles. Well, sure. I mean, there, there's there's fast three rules, but I'm just saying, like they normally, if if yeah, if yeah, any... yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, that's good to know. They're still mixing it up, and I think that's going to be for like clear, clear pass down situations. Could be game plan. It's just nice to know they have the tool available to them. Did you think they were going to throw the the DPI flag here? Classic underthrown NFL football. Oh, I definitely thought. Yeah, I definitely I... panicked. I held my breath. I was like, please don't call it. Please don't call it. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Good for good for this dude. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Look at that. So any more uh all twenty-two then uh please Man, do I send it our way. Game. I haven't been to a game in so long. No, nor have I. Well, I well, that's not true. I went last season, but it wasn't in Seattle. That's true. It's like live all twenty-two. I can't. Doesn't get better than that. <laughs> we just stream it live and get get kicked out <laughs> live on Twitch. <laughs> hey, what's up, gamers? <laughs> just get just get super caffeinated and just like comment announce over the live all twenty-two. Yeah, yeah. Hey, if they uh if they make the playoffs, I might see what I can do. Hell yeah! When they make the playoffs, I, I should say. Um. Yeah, chat. Any questions? Hmm. Let me catch up, Jay. That's uh, crazy that you have an aunt and cousin who share your birthday, and your cousin's eleven years older, and your aunt is eleven years older than your cousin. That's that's wild. Bryce, that's not a question, buddy. Clearly, statement. clearly, someone uh, doesn't understand the question. Live all 22, but extremely loud and drunk, says Monjombo. Monjombo, we don't get drunk. Connor, I've never been to a game. Connor, it is good. Brandon, this is a good question. Oh. Why does the defense seem to struggle with really basic concepts? Um, well, could be all manner of things. Yeah, I mean, it's probably almost that they're overcoaching them. I mean, this week it seemed they didn't struggle with the basic concepts. The one thing I had beef with was more like a play-calling thing. of On the Jalen Hurts first touchdown where he keeps it, it looks like Seattle's playing cover one uh, with a five-man box, and they just don't have the number. Like they just, And it's like it's such yeah. an obvious call versus that formation as well. Um, they did seem to have a flush game, but Brooks just couldn't get out there in time because you can't in that situation if he's yeah. a spy. Uh, right. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, this this week I don't think they had issues conceptually so much. No. Um, I think basic weaknesses of the front structure cropped up a little bit, like on the really spready runs. Yeah, I'm surprised um, we didn't see any like nickel bear. But what we did see was kind of blitzes and then movements to kind of BS their way into it. The, the the first drive, I mean, the Eagles, the Eagles did some of the things they're going to do, but like that drive got extended just because Bobby just had terrible zone draws. There was two bad Bobby Wagner plays on third downs, and which like extended it's, the drive. It's not, it's not the play call. It's it's just him not reading the, what the formation is and and the initial stems and combining that with you know tape study, which knowing their knowing their tendencies, and they're just reacting to your indicators. I'll, I'll add it up. I mean, like I posted a play. 
if we remember Ryan Neal's interception against Justin Herbert last year against the Chargers, great play by Neal, but Jordan Brooks forced the, the far throw, which allowed Neal to get a play on the ball. Same exact concept. It was basically a Hank concept. You have an over-the-ball route, and Bobby just doesn't melt with the route wrapping over the top of him. I retweeted that Jordan Brooks play of him melting underneath it and because Brooks knows exactly what's happening, and Bobby's just standing there. So, um, yeah, so, like, it's really, it's it's not, it's, it's not soft zone, it's bad zone, and bad zone from players not executing well. But I don't think that continued to persist throughout the game. Yeah. Um, any thoughts on Lock- Lockett's slide with clutch catches? Uh, if that's referring to Lockett getting down, I mean, he can do that. Like, it's... I understand why it happens. We kind of spoke about that before, haven't we, Griff? Yeah, I think it's kind of circumstantial, honestly. Yeah. I think Taylor's question is a good question. Uh, I mean, lo- yeah, I mean, he made the great splash plays. Those were great plays, like, objectively. Um, he also got cooked a little bit on one-on-one situations up the seam. Like, he can't he can't stop his feet and, and come back to the route. Like, he can't. So it's just kind of the limits of his skill set. Um, he's honestly just kind of average, and average is okay, but – yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say on that. I mean, maybe the tape will show a different story. You know, maybe things, the good and the bad, will add up differently on tape. Um, but those were excellent, flashy plays. So, yeah. Here's uh, Kenneth Walker's touchdown run from uh, at McNeil Webster again. Thank you, McNeil. Dude, how, how he bends like that is insane. <laughs> Just at yeah. such speed, right? Right. I when I saw this because this was short yardage, I was like, "Oh no, not the dreaded uh, sidecar formation to get overly cute." Honestly, though, it's such a sound formation; they're so versatile out of it. Yeah, because what you get from this is you get a zone path here, but with these two, it becomes basically like counter. In terms of how it affects the gaps, yeah. Yeah. They get out gapped. Just, just, uh, or it's like split zone with an RPO almost. That's more what I would think of it as, yeah. But it's the yeah. same math, right? Very annoying. And when you get Drew Locke to the party, it's like, I don't know. So it's 53 who screws up the will. Yeah, this this guy. He needs to fall back. You've got 53 and 41. Yeah, that, this, is, this, is, this is really poor. Um, this is poor keying. Um, hold on. Let me, get my, uh, let me get my pen out, Griff. Good, well, good spot his, here. Yeah. So his key, he should just be he should just be uh playing the inside hip of the of the inside tight end. Yeah, like, because well yeah, they, they they play it like one back, one gap, don't they? Thirty two has the B gap bubble, forty one has the A gap bubble, twenty one and fifty three. Yeah, what what even is this? He has no idea what he's doing. Especially with this dude spilling for him. Yeah, so he would he would fit off the spill. Yeah, because this is just split. Like, ignore this dude, right? You, yeah. Because you're you, you're in a four four structure. This handles this. We've we've got to fit off this and the flow, and the flow is. <laughs> so he should stack the three tech and then work back out, right? Yeah, it's bad, man. What on earth is he doing? He he doesn't know. <laughs> <Poor guy. laughs> and also the the downfield blocking effort was lovely, wasn't it? The way that Parkinson yeah. actually got involved and uh, is that? Yeah, Parkinson seals the deal, right? Yep. I mean that we could have been a night because we know their red zone woes, right? Like you've got to take advantage of your big plays. Oh, is that Shaq Leonard? Oh, it could be. Maybe he's just too... Uh, yeah, that is him. He hasn't been on the team that long. Good point, yeah. Monjombo. That's a, that's a great finishing block because there's no guarantee. You get inside the five-yard line with this team currently. I, this I, is I great patience from Tyler Lockett as well. 
Yep. Yep. What a great Good block. Stuff. Good stuff. There you go. Live ball 22. So, Griff, any any closing thoughts? Yeah. Uh, if we speak on Sean Desai, I mean... I, I don't enjoy it, but... Well, just my general thing is, imagine how bad it must be to... I mean, he's basically been politicked by Matt Patricia out of a job, but he because he wants to keep an NFL job and be seen in good circles, maybe enjoys his job. We don't know exactly what happened, but he has to kind of put up with that and just sit in on in a booth and like write down. It looked like he's doing a lot of writing. Doesn't sound that fun. Yeah. Anyway, final thoughts, man. Seven and seven, finished ten and seven. O-line, keep playing well. Defense, just play sound football. Don't be bigger than you are. Get Gina back in there. Go win a playoff game. Then win the next one. Then we'll talk. Win here. How about this, man? Win win five games in a row. <laughs> Go win five games in a row. No, no. Well, that would be six games because you've got three more. Yeah. Five games in a row wouldn't quite do it. Five five more than right now. Go on a six-game winning streak is what I'm saying. Yeah, because that's the next three, then wildcard, divisional, comp. You don't want them to win Super Bowl? No, I want to, but I'm just saying let's start. Well, isn't that seven? Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. So, I'm so you want them to, the to NFC... get to the Super Bowl, and then you're just like, nah. No, I'm saying get to the NFC Championship game. Win a wildcard game, win the divisional Get to the championship game, then we'll reassess. <laughs> you really think if they get to the the championship game, you're just going to be like, hmm, I'm reassessing now, and I don't think they quite have it, and I, I don't want them to win. Well, I think, all right, if, if they if they get a, if they win, all right, if they win the wild card game, if they get into the wild card, win the wild card game, I think they'll win the divisional game. And then they face the 49ers. And I just don't think they have that realistically. But I think that if they do get to the playoffs, I think they can beat any team in the NFC except for the 49ers. So. Well, I mean, that's the nice thing. I, I was hoping that this tough stretch of games for them would be, you know, a chance for them to correct past issues. And I'm not sure if they did that, but they have been very much battle tested against the NFL's best. Yeah, and this last stretch is still a chance for them to one enter the playoffs with momentum, but two, if they've won those games, and you know, no win in the NFL is easy. And if you've put together a four-game winning streak, then you are in a good spot, and you have a chance to probably face the teams that you came up uh, short against in this tough uh, losing stretch. So you couldn't really script it any better. Um, how about that? How about that? All right. Thank you, chaps, for for joining in. Follow Ty at Ty Dane Gonzalez on Twitter. He's also on the other platforms. Drift at C Mike Spinmove. You can find me on social media at Matty F Brown to keep up to date with the podcast at Seattle Overload. We tweet it out. It's also available in audio format. Please do give us a five star review. It just helps us boost up. And if you're watching on YouTube or Twitter, Twitter retweet this link, like the tweet. YouTube. Subscribe to the channel, like the video, comment down below. Uh, the engagement tonight has been absolutely fantastic. It feels brilliant to have the Seattle Seahawks win. It's 6.33 a.m. I don't feel like sleeping. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs>